With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode on our weekly podcast, After Extra Time. I'm your host this week, Greeny. And joining me today is just the other half of the After Extra Time crew, and that's Mr. Alex Jackson. Hello, how are you? All right, mate. A bit first of all, mate, I just want to say a massive thanks for covering my arse last week. Um, well, it was a you know, great pod, a great pod. As, as I said, you know, I, we, we heard you were upset about Project Diva not going <laughs> the way you wanted it to go. So, you know, we, we did what we were supposed to do, which is cover your ass. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, well, there we go. I mean, obviously, Jack's not on this one, but he will be on our part two later on uh, yeah. with our special guest. So, cool stuff. Um, right, Jack, I'm going to kick it straight out. Um, obviously... Some ups and down results. We've got mm. start off with uh, Villa against Leeds. Were you surprised on that fixture? Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah. Well, I was surprised at the the, the, the scoreline. Um, mm. I could potentially have seen Leeds winning it, you know, sort of one nil. Uh, but I thought Villa might get something out of the game. But from you know, because I haven't seen any of it yet. From what I heard, Leeds gave a good account of themselves and. For whatever reason, Villa just couldn't get it together on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, what do you make of Bamford? I mean, he's obviously struggled in the Prem recently when he's been in the Prem. He weren't great in the Championship with other clubs. Since being with Bielsa, Jacko, he's looked yeah. like a different, complete player. I mean, at trick again against Villa. Yeah. Uh, I've signing I, for them on a permanent. Well, you know, Bamford's been part of the lead setup for a few years now. Um, and. He's had the talent. I mean, he, he came through Chelsea's ranked um, and for whatever reason, they wouldn't give him a go. But I, I think it's it's a shade of what Ancelotti's done with Calvert-Lewin. I, I yeah, think he's yeah. got a coach that utilises how he wants to work. So yeah. it just makes it a lot easier for Bamford to focus on his game. Um, mm. You know, he's got six goals so far this season. And I think it's a definite sign that Leeds are doing well. Um, whether or not Definitely. they can maintain that through 
you know, the rest of the season, we don't know. But yeah, I, I think it's a great three points. And it, the fact that it's a clean sheet as well helps them. Um, I, I know they've yeah. shipped a few goals already this season, so a clean sheet would definitely help. I mean, it's a bit of a shame. Obviously, fans are still not in the ground for the likes mm. of Leeds. When the fans do come back, do you feel they'll be even better than what they are now? Or do you think there's no pressure on them at the minute? I, I don't. More pressure when they fans come. I, I don't think there's any pressure on them at the moment at all. I, I think Leeds want to see their team do well in the Premier League. That's what they've been itching for for the last sort of 15 years. Um, mm. So, you know, if if they can carry on with the mentality that they've got on the pitch when the fans do come in, then it's been a, a, a great season for them. It's it's whether or not you, you worry that fans are going to give higher expectations than the club expects at the minute because it is their first mm. season in the Premier League. You know, they've they've only played sort of one of the top... I oh know they've played Man City and Liverpool, so they've played a couple of the top teams. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think just just be patient and just see how the season goes, and and sort of you know maybe look at how Villa have gone about it this year. And Villa have started off well. Everton look a lot uh, more promising than they have done over the last couple of seasons. Um, so there's a, a a good mix of teams that are potentially going to cause issues for the top six, top eight going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, yeah, I just, I don't think fans should try and get ahead of themselves at the minute. Make sure that they're supporting the club, trying to stay up in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I mean, going on to Villa side of it, Jacko, I mean, they're sitting in third with that defeat against Leeds mm. uh, with a game in hand. Yeah. They can actually go, they can actually go top as uh, at the minute if they win a the game in hand due to the fact that Everton are losing as we speak 2 0 to Southampton. So, mm. I mean, are you surprised where Villa are in the table? Or yeah, you... I, I think you have to be. Um, I, I think if you know, you know, I think you look back at what we discussed on our pod and our sort of Facebook lives. We'd said that we'd expect Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, Spurs to be up there. And you look at the mm. the, the sides that are currently in there at the minute. It's Everton, Villa, Leeds. Um, I think Southampton are pushing up there as well. Um, it's yeah. you know it's one of those where it's still quite early in the season. The table's probably not going to sort of show its true self until maybe de- December, at Christmas yeah. time. Um, but I, I think yeah, Villa are definitely going to be chuffed with how well they've started. Yeah, all right, last night's result or Friday's night's results not going to sort of give them any sort of happiness over this weekend. But if they I think their game in hand is against Man City. So if they can get something out of that, which after the back of the Liverpool result could potentially they could potentially do, it does mean that they're still up there um, with one of the more trickier games that they have to that they have to go through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's move on to another fixture which surprised me. I'm sure it surprised you as well. Mm. West Ham won, Jacko. Man City won. Yeah, I mean it's a great point for West Ham, and uh, I don't think Man City will be happy to come away with a point. I thought they'd expect all three. No, I, yeah, I would have backed Man City. Um, mm. I think, uh, well, I would have backed Man City to win by the odd goal. I think West Ham mm. have got a good bit of confidence at the moment. They've had some good results while Moyes has been at home. Um, 
he's come back and they've still got some some good points picked up as well. Um, so they're they're obviously on a high. Man City, they still look a bit iffy. I think is the right way to, yeah. to put it. I think they've still got Laporte out, Aki out. Um, a couple of others are still injured as well. Um, mm. Obviously, Aguero's not fully fit yet. Um, no. So they may not be up and running until probably December, I think. Um, and then now yeah, they've got I'll the see, Champions uh... League as well to, to focus on. Um, mm. It's going to be an interesting time for, for Guardiola. Yeah, do you think Guardiola is pushing his players a bit? I mean, obviously Aguero did feature against West Ham, but only done forty-five minutes, Jaco, yeah. before he got subbed for uh, Foden, who got the goal. Yeah, I mean, do you feel is he had to play Aguero, even though he's not fully fit? I think he has to to get the match, to get the minutes under his legs. Um, mm. You know, you know, we've seen Aguero when he's fully fit and how dangerous he can be. The, the problem is with no Jesus and no recognised third striker, um, mm. they're sort of chopping and changing and going with false nines and players that you wouldn't normally sort of recognise as strikers, more wide players. Um, so I, I think it, it's going to be a tough sort of period for Man City while their players are coming back to fitness. I'm not quite sure how long Jesus is going to be out for. But you know, mm. you sort of, you sort of sit there and think maybe, as well as a sort of centre back, they should have potentially looked at bringing in a third striker, sort of more recognisable striker in, even if it was just on loan until sort of January to cover any absences until then. Don't you, do you feel they could possibly put Mares up there on his own, or do you not think he'll do the same role? No, I, I, I think the likes of him. Sterling, Silver, they need the width to be able to cut inside. Mm. Whereas if you're playing more centrally, you don't have that width, or you're more um, more inclined to sort of go out to the channels to get the ball, because that's what you've been yeah. doing for X amount of years. Um, so I, I think that's where you do need sort of an out-and-out goal scorer, an out-and-out striker, and sort of ones. Not necessarily understands the position, but has the sort of awareness and anticipation and sort of positional knowledge that he would have by playing in that role for such a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, still staying on Man City a minute, mate. I mean, what would be a bad season for Man City, Jacko, at the end of it if 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 it didn't win a trophy or? Or, or Champions League, what what would be a bad a bad season? I think if I think Man City is still focused on trying to win the Champions League. I, I think that's what has been their their mantra for a while. Um, I, I still think Guardiola will need a trophy of some description. Um, mm. So yeah, they, they'd expect some form of silverware, but I, I think Man City's main aim is the Champions League. While Guardiola if they don't get the Champions League, would you say that's the end of Guardiola? You asked me this last season. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously the stakes are more higher now considering yeah. Liverpool won the Prem. Yeah, it's it's difficult because, you know, a lot of people are saying that Guardiola doesn't coach players, he coaches teams. 
on how to play. Mm. That's why he'll go out and fork out 45, 55 million on players um, instead of sort of relying on the youngsters um, to sort of fill the gap. Um, I, I think Man City have had a lot of defensive issues for the last 18 months. You know, Jack, I think we've all sort of touched on that on this pod. Um, I, you know, they still haven't got... I, I still maintain that the way he wants to set up is a back four of Walker, Diaz, Laporte and Ake. But the yeah. problem is, you know, half of that back four is still out injured. Um, he wants Aguero back fully fit. He needs to get Jesus back as, as a substitute. You know, you're relying on Liam Delap, who's, I don't think, played a, a, a top-flight game before. And they're relying on him to sort of fill the void, which doesn't always work. Um, mm. So they've got they've got players around there that are good enough. The likes of De Bruyne, Foden, Sterling, Mahrez, Silva, Rodri, Gundogan. You know, that midfield is packed, but it seems to be at both key ends of the pitch that they seem to be struggling with at the minute. So, yeah, I, yeah. I can still see Guardiola staying. Um, I think it will be more pressurised if he doesn't do well in the Champions League. Though. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Let's move on. Um, another game, Palace, Fulham. Well, Fulham at home to Palace, yeah. 2-1 to Palace. Yeah. Fulham sent off as well. Parker still not got a point at home, I don't think. No. Um, it's getting bad to worse for Fulham, I think, mate. I think... <laughs> They're probably likely to go down the way they're playing. They're not strengthened and squad enough. Uh, what do you make of it, Jacko, with Fulham? Yeah, I, I think Fulham are in a bad position. Um, you know, from what I'm, I've heard, the majority of that back line is still the back line that played the Championship last season. Um, yeah. it, Jack and I sort of touched on it last week about Mitrovic and the fact that you know, I don't. I don't think Mitrovic is a good enough champ- uh, Premier League striker. I think at Championship level, he's probably one of the best around, and he'd definitely do you a job yeah. to help you get promoted. But to score the goals mm. to keep you in, yeah, I don't think he's good enough. Um, whether or not Fulham is still sort of reluctant to expand on the business that they've made, because obviously they spent so much that first time around, um, yeah. and they still got relegated. I don't know if their owners are sort of nervy about the thought of that happening again. So they're sort of saying to Parker, Mm. deal with it as best as you can until we sort of know until January. But then will Parker be there in January to sort it out? We don't know. Um, No. I do feel feel Fulham are a bit of a yo-yo club, even though they've got a bit of money behind Mm. them. I just, until they can get someone like Watkins or Grealish or yeah. um, trying to think who else is, you know, someone like Calvert-Lewin, someone like Calvin Phillips, I mean, did, something did, like that, they're not going to do mm. well enough. And I just think that... Quote me if I'm wrong, haven't they got Loftus-Cheek? I don't know. If they have, I, I've not... I, I don't know if you played yesterday. I've not seen any of it. Um, I know they made a signing from Chelsea. I'm, I'm sure it's Loftus-Cheek. Well, they were rumoured to be going for Loftus-Cheek, but it was whether or not they'd agreed to the 150 grand a week wages. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen. And I'm sure it did. 
if it did, then we'll have a look. Yeah. Um, I'll just so uh, yeah, he played yesterday, Jacko. Um, yeah, but he started up front with Mitch Lookman. Right, so they played a centre midfielder up front. Yeah, they played. Basically, Fulham played a 4 3 3, and they've got Rubers lost his cheek in the three with Mitrovic and Lutman. Right. Which, I mean, I don't think that's his position. No. I really don't. I don't get why they're not putting him in the centre of the park, to be honest. But there we go. I mean, what do you make of Palace, though, mate? I mean, I feel that Roy's got a squad there now, and uh, they're looking quite good. Yeah. Yeah, they, they've started off better than they did last season. Um, mm. It's I don't think much has changed from what he had last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I think Palace will be fine. I don't think they'll push up any trees. But the fact, you know, mm. I, I know we talked about it last year about the fact that Zaha wasn't getting any goals and he seems to be the sort of main goal-scoring threat this year. Now, whether or not he's had something, he's had his backside kicked or or something that he's, or something's clicking that he's performing again this year, which is why Palace Mm. are are doing better than they did last season. Um, But if that's the case and they only seem to do well when Zaha does well, you rely on an awful lot on Zaha to provide you points to, to keep you up. Yeah. That's true. I'm going to move on. Course of time, as we've got a special guest on, yeah. so I'm going to go through quick. Man United drew with Chelsea nil nil. Not the greatest of games. No. I'm going to move on from them. Uh, Liverpool managed to scrape a win. Jacko two one. Yeah. And I felt like Sheffield United got robbed in that game, mate. I really do. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. That handball. No, I've not seen any of how, it, mate. How on earth? No. I know they've changed the handball rule. But it's literally hit him on the hand, mate, and they're not give it. It's a stone waller for me. So two one there. Yeah. I mean, um, but let, I want to move on to a bit of the championship, believe it or not. Okay. Well, that's a surprise. Do you know uh, do you well, know what you're gonna be talking about or not? Yeah, yeah, are you, are I know you what sure? you're talking about, mate. Yeah, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. First of all, yeah. I'm gonna start with uh, Norwich Wickham. Wickham still yet to pick up a point, Jacko. Now yeah. bad times. Wickham fans and it's not going to get any easier is it I uh, mean uh, I, without a point there would be bottom if it weren't for Chef Wednesday yeah I I, I I think I said this last week of the week before um, mm. Wickham was supposed to be relegation fodder for League One last year they've mm. got promoted mainly thanks to the points per, go, per game ratio uh, I, think, I know we discussed yeah. it at the back end of last season that had that not happened I don't think Wickham would have got in They've obviously then no. managed to beat Fleetwood and and then beat Oxford in the player final, but they've not, from what I can tell, they've not strengthened the squad. Now, whether or not it's a case of they're sort of holding on finances to sort of, mm. you know, help them next season and sort of consolidate back in League One and sort of try and push for the championship again, I don't know. But for the second week running, the only way Wickham have scored is by a defensive cock-up. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. it, it happened against Millwall, and but from what I heard, the Norwich centre back helped him uh, cash get for another goal. 
Um, so unless picking up on those errors and those errors re- happen regularly, I can't see them getting anywhere. Um, and I think something will need to change. I don't think getting rid of Ainsworth will help. I, I just think it's, you know, if they are prepared to invest in some sort of reshaping of the squad in January, whether or not they're prepared to do that, I don't know. Otherwise, it's going to be a case of having a season in the Championship and then going back out to League One. Yeah, I think that might be better for them. Yeah. Um, the only sign I thought they'd make, mate, is um, Josh Knight. Mm. From Leicester. Yeah. Um, again, he's got he's got quality, but I don't think it's enough to keep him in the championship. As you know, as much as Jack knows, mate, the champion probably the hardest league to get out of, Jacko. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, yeah, you know, when I watched the Millwall Wicking game uh, last Saturday, mm. there there wasn't a lot about Wicking to be scared of. You know, they they pressed high, mm. which you would sort of expect them to do because they'd want to sort of try and you know, have Millwall cause errors, which they did, and they, they capitalised on it. But that was the only thing, apart from a, a sort of dodgy free-kick corner decision that I, I still don't know how it was disallowed. You know, that that was the only other thing that Wickham looked threatening with. Otherwise, it was just Millwall all game. Um, yeah. And I just see that happening a lot. Unless they can get results around them against the likes of Rotherham and Barnsley and at the minute Forest Derby, yeah. if they can get results against those teams, then yeah, they might have a chance. But at the minute, I just don't see that happening. And if Sheffield Wednesday, no, I, I know Sheffield Wednesday dropped points this weekend against Luton, but if Sheffield Wednesday carry on with the form that they've had, I don't see them staying in the relegation zone for long. So. No, I have to agree with that as well, mate. I mean, you did touch about Forest and Derby, mm. they played each other. Friday night, Jacko, they drew one yeah. on. Now, is that a good point for them both? Or would I, either fans I, I, be I happy with the I don't think it helps either team, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think it's a case of mm. it keeps them both down there. If Derby get a win, yeah. you know, boost Derby up. If Forest get a win, it boosts them up. Um, I just feel that mm. at the minute, with how unpredictable the championship is being at the minute, it's you, you need to get wins and you need to get a string of them together. Um, to yeah. sort of solidify a, a decent position, um, and Forest and Derby aren't doing that at the minute. Um, no, no, so yeah, I don't think it helps either side really. Yeah, I mean, I can't talk for Jack, but I'm sure Jack will agree with it, mate, and I'm sure he won't be happy with a point. Um, and my issue is how long are they going to keep the manager for? I mean, Forest have already sat there, manager yeah. got to replace. Yeah. How long before Derby do the same, Jack? Um, I'll be amazed. Can't if, be far off. If it carries on, I'll be amazed if he's here by December. Yeah. Uh, I just feel yeah. we're, we're coming to the period of time, especially in the lower league of fo- lower league uh, football, lower leagues. You've got yeah. man. You've had sort of 10, 11, 12, 15 games by this point. So you're already a third of the way through yeah. the season. You've got a good idea of what's going on. Um, and if the team isn't performing, it's usually around this time that managers are axed and they yeah, try and the draw something different. Um, do you reckon it could be the case if they do sock, uh, sock, <laughs> if they do sack Koku, uh, Koku that, that's the chance for uh, Rooney to get his foot in the door? Maybe. Um, it would be 
an easier option for Derby. It'd save on a lot of money as well. Um, it's whether or not Rooney's prepared to do that. Um, I, I think if he... Yeah, is it possible to play the player-coach role? Is it all... Well, some players have done it. Um, you know, Millwall experienced Dennis Wise was a player-manager for the 2003-2004 yeah. season um, and the following year, to be mm-hmm. fair. But he very rarely played. He, he sort of... He'd play every other week. Mm. Um to, and then, to be fair, he played the big games because that was what was was like. But um, you know, he, they were starting to take sort of backwards roles and bringing in players through and working it out that way. So it gave him a better understanding of how to coach the game and how to manage the game and and go from there. So you know, if it depends on what Rooney wants to do, if Rooney feels that that's the best option, then that's great. If he feels that he can still get another 30 games through his legs, then, yeah, he'll probably try and do that. But it depends on what Derby do, really. Yeah. Well, that's it, yes. Um, I mean, moving on, Jack, I'm going to move on to your boys, Millwall Barnsley. Yeah. Obviously, Gary Rowett weren't there due to COVID positive testing. Yeah. Uh, Barnsley's manager weren't there because I don't think he starts his appointment No, yet. he got appointed Friday um, night and he was in the yeah. stand yesterday. I think he takes over today or tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you got a point out of that game, Jack. I, I'd probably have Millwall to win that game. Um, Is that a two-point slip for you boys, or are you happy with the point there? It's a difficult one. We never do well against Barnsley. We, we never have. If you have a look at the last mm. sort of fixtures of Barnsley and Millwall at the den, Barnsley have, have seemed to nick them. They, they beat us handsomely 3-1 last year. We were really poor. And it's all happened again today. I, I, I didn't understand it. I watched the game. And, you know, mm. we played Wickham, we played Luton, and we played a 4-2-3-1 with Matt Smith at top. And mm. then it was either it was Mason Bennett on Tuesday and it was Tom Bradshaw on Saturday. And it worked because it was a more attacking mm. setup. We We looked more comfortable on the ball. We were pressing them. We were creating the chance. We set up yesterday. It was our normal five at the back formation and it looked very negative against Barnsley style. And the first half was yeah. just so dire. Um, you know, there was no, really there was only one chance for either side on target, and both of them went in. I mean, Alex Mowers was an absolute screamer, and you sort of say, "Fair play, mm. what a goal!" But we we should have been we should have been better. We were sloppy. The passing was poor. The movement was poor. There was no sort of energy about it. And then Jake Cooper sort of. Nicked him just before half time with a with a, a headed goal from the corner, and we came mm. out for the second half and we looked a lot better. And, you know, and Bennett had a chance which the keeper tipped onto the post and it, you know, the ball fell for Barnsley because it came out back out to the keeper and then Malone hit the bar and then Bennett had another goalmouth scramble that could have gone in and then Kenneth Zahor right near the end had a good header on shot on target mm. and the keeper pulled a worldie out to to keep it one all. So it's a frustrating game. I think if you were to turn around and say to me, would you take seven points out of nine against three teams that his- historically we don't get good results with, either home or away. Yeah. If you were to tell me that, that especially after the international break and losing to Swansea the, the week before the international break, I would have been really happy. With that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I could have 
happily gone with a 2-1 win against Barnsley, a one-all um, result away to Wickham and, and beat Luton on Tuesday night. I, I, either combo of those results, genuinely, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of that. Um, I just feel mm. that with Rowett, with, with Rowett not on the touchline, I just feel the sort of impetus that he gives the players isn't there. I don't get that sense yeah, of... Yeah, true. Um, not, not, not a sense of intimidation, but, you know, Adam Barrett just doesn't mm. seem the sort of Gary Rowett figure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we've got a couple of big games this week. We've got Preston on Wednesday and then Cardiff on the weekend, um, both away. Ooh. So, it's going to be an interesting week. An interesting film. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, we're, we're just sitting outside the playoffs. And I'll, I'll happily take that if it comes to the end of the season. I really will. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm, I mean, I've been impressed with where they are and where they're sitting. So, I mean, moving on to another game, what surprised me is uh, Coventry nil, Blackburn Rovers 4. Well, it doesn't surprise Blackburn you because they're, they're, they're scoring your, goals for yeah, three. but they're your side. So, of course, you're going to say that it's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got to give it to Blackburn the, the start they've had, mate. Well, we, we talked about incredible. it last week. The, the signings that they made at the back end of the transfer deadline are very impressive. Um Commentary aren't a great side. I think they're down there with Wickham, Rotherham, Derby, Forest. Yeah. You know, um, mm. as potential relegation candidates. So it doesn't surprise me that Blackburn have beaten them. It doesn't surprise me by the scoreline either. I think Adam Armstrong is a superb forward and Tony Mowbray mm. knows how to play him. Again, it's one of those where they know how to use the striker in the most effective way. Um, and I think with the fact that Brentford aren't doing well at the minute, Swansea drop points, Bristol City are yeah. hit and miss, Bournemouth, Norwich and Watford are a bit hit and miss. I think Blackburn could sneak in as a playoff candidate there this year. Contender. Um, but again, it, it's just, yeah. it's not quite at that point yet where you sort of, you've got a good idea of where teams are going to yeah. finish. I think maybe about a month's time, you've probably got a better idea. And if Blackburn, I think, I think if Blackburn are at the, near the top of the table come the start of December, I think they've got a good chance of going up this year. Yeah, I hope so, mate. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at stats. I know we don't talk much about stats, but in the game, mate, Coventry had three shots to Blackburn's 24. Yeah. Um, so, possession 67% to 33. So, it looked like a one-sided yeah, game. Uh, shots on target was one for Coventry. I mean, Coventry is struggling. Yeah, I, I think... Com- I think- Commentary, Roger and Wickham all have the same issue, is that they don't seem to have a goal scorer for championship level. Um, you know, you look at the majority of the sides that are in that league and all of those strikers yeah. are good enough to get you the amount of goals you need. Um, mm. So, I think that's where the sticking point for those three are going to be. Um, you know, when Millwall played Rotherham, that's the only game I can sort of relate to. Rotherham didn't look great. Well, we didn't, but we got the luck of the draw for that. But they didn't sort of attack us. Wickham didn't look like anything special. It was only because of a goalkeeper and how did they get the goal. Um, we haven't played commentary yet. And I just feel it'll probably be the same way as the other two, that they just don't look good going forward. And they're sort of going to try and negate that by hitting, pressing high, trying to hit on the counter, using set pieces, 
um, and hoping to sort of nick a few points here and there from from playing that way. Yeah. I mean, there's a five-point cushion at the top of the championship, mate, and uh, I'm quite surprised this team are up there. Which is yeah, really... I am as well. Although, what the start of that? They did look pretty, pretty good at the back end of last year after the restart. I think, um, you know, that Mate and Lucas Zhao and Ilaria, they've got some good attacking players on that side. And I think now that Panovic is, is in, I think he knows roughly what his side is capable of and he's got them going in the yeah. right direction, which is odd because, you know, for the last sort of four or five seasons, Reading have been one of the teams that have been near the bottom and looking like they're going to go down. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, I'm pleased to a certain extent because I know Mill don't have a good record against Reading, so I, I wouldn't want to see Reading in a good bit of form when they come to us. But I'm pleased to see how yeah. well it is for those players because I, I did look at a couple of games last year, and I did think they looked they looked pretty good. Um, yeah. So whether or not it's a case of them finally determined to top flight for a while, I don't know. But you, you worry you, you've got to see how they're going to do if they have a dip in form. I think a few teams, well, I think yeah, a few yeah. teams, ha- you have to see how they do. Um, you know, Bournemouth haven't lost yet, but they've only won a couple of games. So, what happens if they don't win sort of three or four on the bounce? What happens if Blackburn, even with all the talent they've brought in, they lose three on the four on the bounce? What about Millwall? What about um, Brentford's? You know, there's a lot of teams that you have to sort of sit there and wait to see how they do with a pull on the form to see if they can get themselves going again or not. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, obviously, moving on quickly because of the time. Um, League one quickly, Jacko. Um, just a couple of games I'm going to go over. Is uh, Sunderland one, Pompey yeah. three? I mean, I, I, to be honest, mate, I thought Sunderland would have won that more comfortably rather than Pompey, but obviously not. I mean, what do you feel about Pompey and Sunderland um, this year? I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Um, Jacket, mm. you know, I, I, I speak highly of Jacket. He did a good job at Mill and he's. He's doing a relatively decent job at Portsmouth. You know, the, the expectation is that Portsmouth yeah. need to go up. And he didn't start great this year, but he's. I think they've found their feet and they're picking up a bit of form. So he's looking better for them. Sunderland, I don't know what's going on there. They looked good last season, but they've not started great this year. Um, yeah. uh, whether or not they, they haven't gelled or they're, they're low on confidence, I don't know. But I would expect Sunderland to be up there by the end of the season. Um, it may be just a case of just yeah. having a, a, a bad time of it at the minute and they just need a couple of wins to get themselves going again. Yep, another one we're moving on to is obviously Grant McCann's Hull City losing to his former club, Peterborough, 2-1. That's another shock, really. I mean, Hull were flying, mate, with the the way they have been. They've now dropped to third in the league. Peterborough have jumped mm. over them. In second, again, another two teams that you expect to be up yeah, there. This I, I year think in League One. Peterborough were hard done by last year, um, and I yeah, think 100%. you know there, there was question marks on how Peterborough would do without the likes of Madison and Tony there this year. Mm. But for whatever it is, they seem to have hit the ground running and they're doing well. Oh, I, I expect them to to be fine. I expect them to be up there anyway. I think out of 
M, Charlton yeah. and Wigan, I think Holland more likely to come up. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised that Peterborough have won this, if I'm being brutally honest. I, I think Peterborough have got what it takes. Mm. Um, I just I would have expected it. I wouldn't have expected... Did you say Hull were at home? Yeah, yeah. I, I would have expected it the other way around. I, I would have sort of sat there with Peterborough winning at home and Hull getting something out of their home game. So, Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Right, uh, just to wrap things up quickly, mate. Oh, League 2, let's move on to League 2 quick. I want to talk about there's one team still in League 2, Jacko, I haven't even had a win yet, and that's Southend United. Another 2-0 defeat to Tramere. Yeah. It's not looking great for Southend fans, No, I... It? I think Southampton, South End, sorry, are in a lot of trouble. I really, really do. Um, I think there are issues there, and I could safely see them going down at the minute. Um, the worry is they end up like Macclesfield. So I know there's a bit of issue with finances yeah. there, and you know whether or not a bailout is or this bailout is agreed between the Premier League and the, the league clubs. Whether that'll help them or not, I don't know. But I, you know, I can certainly see Southend in a sticking point and really struggling. Yeah, it's a mm. shame. Like you said, it could end up like Mackensfield Town. Um, they might have done a bit better if the fans are in, but again, that's we've gone over that yeah, several yeah, times, so I won't go back down yeah. that road. Um, another one I want to pick up on, mate, is Salford under Paul Scholes at yeah. the minute. Still yet without with Paul Scholes in a draw at home to Crawley Town. Yeah. Do you feel he'll get the job on a permanent basis or do you not think he'll be the right fit for the so, job? Something seems really dodgy with that. Um, yeah. You know, Alexander Hatt wasn't doing a bad job at all at Salford. They were in the playoffs. Nice. Um, and then for whatever reason, they've sacked him or he's walked away. And one of the owners mm. has come in to take over as a temporary coach. I just, there, there's a part of me that sits there thinking they want overall control of how every part of the club is run. And the only way they can do mm. that is having one of them step into coaching. And I just yeah. feel. I, I don't think I, it Well, no, I don't. Me. And I, I think, as I say, I think Alexander's been hard done by. I don't think he's done anything wrong. Um, no. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But as you say, he's not got a result yet. Um, Crawley, I'd probably say Crawley's a tough game. Um, they did quite well last season. Yeah. Um, they're expected to be there or thereabouts. So I'm, I'm not surprised they didn't get a win. But I, I just feel, would the result have been different had they not got rid of the manager? I think it would have, mate. I really do. I mean, I was shocked as much when I put it into you on the group mm. chat about have you heard yeah. Alexander's been sacked. And I was gobsmacked. I thought, hold on, you sacked someone who's in the playoffs, yeah. doing well. Yeah, you haven't. And the thing is, he didn't lose that game either. He drew it, the game what he, he ended up on. So it's like, what, what's this footballing world coming to now? So, like you say, was it the fact is Giggsy, Scolzy, Neville's, they all just wanted it's you do as I say, yeah. or basically yeah. piss off. And was was Alexander thinking, fuck you, basically, I'm not doing what you tell me to do, I'm doing it my way, and they didn't like it. I don't, no one no. will know. But I feel, 
if anything, my outfield will get someone like Roy Keane or someone in there. That's what that's oh, my opinion. Will Keane want to go back to management if he's quite happy in a punditry role? That's true. Yeah, it's true. But with, uh, I, I just think because the class of ninety two and all the lads, is it? You it's know, difficult. I'm just reading. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. I, I think. They, I think they probably want a bigger, rep, uh, a more reputable manager. If it didn't cost mm. them a lot, the problem is, you know, yeah. I, I, I tell you, who I'd, like, who oh, I tell you who I'd like to see down there. I reckon Paul Ince would do. Oh. Yeah, not a bad show. He's been yeah. there, done it. Um, he? he did well with Blackburn. He's done well with MK Dons. Mm. You know, give him a go. You know that. There's a couple out there that have had good runs in the lower leagues of football, but all the county yeah, brothers give them a go. Um, you know, there's there's a few there. Paul Cook, you know, but would Cook be would, Cook, would, yeah. would Cook want to go down to that level? Um, there, there is a lot yeah, there that is available. Um, whether or not they mm. deem suitable for the owners of Salford to take over, I don't know. But we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, finally, I'm going to finish mm. on this one. And um, this will blend in with our part two because Grimsby Town played Carlisle, yeah. uh, one all, Jacko. And we've got a Carlisle, a, a Carlisle, a, a Carlisle yeah. player, <laughs> a Carlisle player on yeah. part two, Dean Furman. So uh, that'll be interesting to hear his talk on different leagues and, you know, he's played in most yeah. divisions. I mean, Carlisle and Grimsby, mate. Two teams, what you think will be up there? I, or... I think they'll be safely in League Two. Um, whether or not yeah. they've got got the the squad depth to push for a promotion uh, charge this year, I don't know. Mm. Um, Carlisle seem to be quite sort of stable in League Two. That uh, whether or not that seems to be their level, I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's pretty much the same for Grimsby as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to get his his uh, insight into into the, how the season's gone. There, I'd like to ask him about um, Project Big Picture as well. See what he, his thoughts are. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be tough to ask him about that. Yeah, I mean, that's everything for part one, mm. Jacko. Um, like I said, on part two, we'll get Jack back on, and we'll be joined with Dave yeah. Berman. So uh, I'll call it there. Thanks for joining us on part one and we'll see you after for part two of After Extra Time. Cheers, Cheers Jacko. Hello and welcome back to part two of After Extra Time. I'm your host, Greeny, and joining me again is Alex Jackson and we have two more guests, or one host, one guest. <laughs> We've got Jack... The Derby one, and our special guest for this evening is Dean Furman. How are you, lads? Yeah, all very good. well, thank you. All good. Good, Dean. Good. I'm going to kick it off, Dean. Obviously, uh, you you played for South Africa at international level, uh, and you've also played out in South Africa. Um, that time I spoke to you, I was playing for SuperSport United. Compared from English football compared to South African football. Yes, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm really having to adjust to at the moment. There, there is big differences in the game. Um, and it was something when I went out there to South Africa to adjust in the beginning. It took me a little bit of time because the game out there, well, f- first things first, it's played in 
uh, at about 35 degrees. So that's that's the first difference um, as, as we enter winter here. And yesterday uh, with Carlisle away at Grimsby, um, you're not you're not getting many days like that in in Cape Town or Johannesburg. Um, so so that so that's the first difference. Um, but it, the game the game itself is far less physical in South Africa, um, but relies on it relies far more on pace. It's a far more open game. When I say pace, I think individuals are are just that. There's more quick players there, so it's it's, it's a lot about your kind of individual skill. Um, the game is far more open there. Teams are far more inclined to kind of build up and play out from the back. Um, but that stretches the game a lot. Whereas here you see a lot more teams that are direct, um, a bit more route one. There's far more physicality. You've got, you've got bigger players in terms of their physical stature. Um, for whatever reason, South Africa, the football, the football side of things, is it's a particularly small nation. Uh, uh, mm. Where, which is strange because we've got the rugby boys and the cricket boys who, I mean, you've got your, you've got your Sia Khaleesi, he's the Rugby World Cup captain who's, who's six foot two, six foot three. It's a shame none of the rugby boys decided to pick up a football when they were younger because <laughs> as, as a national team, that's definitely what we're missing. But when you come back and play in, in the leagues in England, you certainly can see that the physical differences from playing in, in the, the South African leagues and for the national team. Yeah, I mean, saying it's physical, Dean. Um, obviously, coming back to play for Carlisle, are you enjoying it a lot more because it's because it's more physical or? Oh, I'm, or I'm getting I'm getting far less yellow cards, which is a, which is a plus. <laughs> uh, it was amazing the amount of yellow cards that I got in South Africa. Thinking, mm. are you are you kidding me? That's one of the best tackles I've ever done, and it just wasn't tolerated there. So. There's the, yeah, that's something that I had to learn very quickly, that there's a, definitely a different tolerance level from the referees. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. I, I've kind of been a bit in and out. Um, I struggled with, with a couple of injuries. Um, and then uh, over the last couple of weeks, the, the Kalar boys have been in great form, so I haven't been able to get back into the team. And and when you're a player, I think the most important thing is is be be a good teammate when you're out the team. Um, don't Don't kind of... Get the hump and start sulking and be a good teammate. Be a good, be a good, uh, be good to have around the dressing room. Support the lads and and um, the lads have been doing really really well the last few weeks. So I've been a bit in and out, um, but certainly looking to to break back into the team and, and get a consistent run together and really get stuck back into to English football. Yeah, I mean, when I spoke to you in lockdown, Dean, you're still obviously playing in South Africa, um, and we spoke about you coming back to the English game. You said you'd love to. So what was it like when you got the call off Carlisle saying, would you fancy coming over there and playing? Yeah, it was a decision we, I, myself and my wife had made long before COVID hit. We, we, my wife mm. um, was pregnant and, and we did say as soon as she falls pregnant, that that will be the end of our time in South Africa. Just purely based on we wanted to be closer to our family. Um, otherwise, from a football decision, our, we probably wouldn't have come back. We would have done another year and, and seen where we, we were at the end of that. But um, a family decision and, and one that, that we stood by and, and one that we're very happy that we made. So coming back, it was incredibly difficult. Um, the, I mean, for a number of reasons. The first thing, I was away for five years, so that made things pretty tough. You're kind of out of sight, out of mind. Where have you been playing? South mm. Africa, really? Do they have a league there? What's it like? Or So it's not really respected necessarily here. 
Um, the other, the next thing is once you're over 30, things become very, very difficult. Um, teams do have policies of not signing over 30 year olds. So you don't have that sell on potential anymore. Uh, whereas if I have a great season, it's, it's great. You had a good season. Whereas if a 23 year old has a great season, it's like, right, can we sell them to Millwall for, for half a million pounds? So that's where teams are, are looking at it from a financial point of view that, a 23-year-old, 24-year-old is far more attractive than someone who's over 30 with no resale value. Um, so there were a number of there were a number of factors that that made it incredibly difficult. And throw in the the pandemic, and teams are struggling financially, yeah. and they've got there's no uh, there's no one through the gates, and we don't know when the fans are coming back. And it was a very very difficult market. Um, but thankfully, Carlisle invited me up to train for a few days, did really well on, on when I trained there. And, and at the end of it, they offered me a contract, which uh, I'm very grateful to them for, for doing so. Yes, that's good. I mean, obviously, what's, what's it going to be like when you play against Oldham, Dean? You can, obviously, you ain't going to get a good reception from the fans because they're not there. But what would it be like <laughs> to play against them again? We actually have twice. Um, oh, so, there we go. Yeah. Um, finally, we, we've, we lost 3-0 in the Cup. That was in, in the Carabao Cup. Um, and we're thinking, oh, goodness me, that, that's not a good start. Um, and we played them on Tuesday night and drew one all. So thankfully, since that Carabao Cup, we've gone on to perform pretty pretty well, relatively well in the league. Um, and um, we haven't really looked back since. So thankfully, there were no fans there at Oldham. So I didn't, didn't catch any <laughs> stick. Um, but it's a shame. I, I mean, we were one of the test games. We played Southend at home. We had a thousand fans there and it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, everyone kind of abided mm. by the rules. Um, they respected the social distancing. They they and they really made a noise. It felt like there was far more than a thousand in the ground, and uh, we put in a great performance for them on the day. So it kind of everyone loved it, and we were hoping that that was a sign of of things to come. And unfortunately, a couple of weeks later, it was completely scrapped again. So um, yeah, I, I just hope the fans are back before. Um, before clubs really start feeling the pinch and, and as players we want to play in front of a crowd and, and some atmosphere Yeah I mean um, as well as Dean obviously you're going on about the fans and there's no fans and the finances of each club um, I know Alex has got a question to ask you about um, the league going into one so Jacko do you want yeah, to go on just, that? Just Dean have you been oh, I'm sure you've been made aware about Project Big Picture and, and the, the failure of it to be sort of uh, set up. How how do you think it should be done to help the lower league clubs with a bailout? It's, it's incredibly tough because if you look in any other business, would other businesses bail out smaller businesses? Mm. Um, it just it just wouldn't happen. It's it's kind of unfortunate. But we are a football family. There is plenty of money. And we, the clubs, certainly at League One, League Two level, I suppose even Championship level, so all of the EFL, they are really, really feeling it. Yeah. Um, if there is a bailout package, it would be greatly received. Um, I read a, I read an article with our, from our CEO who said we're actually doing okay because we've sold a couple. Carlisle have sold a couple of young lads on in, in yeah. the last few years, um, and there's ongoing payments. So. Um, I believe we sold, this is before my time, um, I think it might have been last year, um, Carlisle sold Jared Braithwaite to Everton 
and mm. they got money for him on, on the deal and then they get money on five appearances, money on 10 appearances. So that's kind of what mm. that, that side income is almost such a huge, huge bonus for Carlisle because whilst there's no revenue and, and income um, from, a, from, from the gate on a Saturday, they've at least got this kind of side part that is keeping them going. But for clubs who don't have this, there's just no income and it, it's just not a sustainable model at the moment. So if there is a bailout, I'm sure the EFL will be incredibly, all the clubs in the EFL will be incredibly grateful. Uh, and I really hope that that the Premier League can can really almost save save teams because I, I fear for, what, for what's ahead because at the moment it just doesn't look like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't look like we're going to see fans for a long, long time. And the worrying thing is how long can... can clubs continue to live right on the edge yeah 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 i mean going on that dean i reckon there'll be quite a few clubs what do go under which be a shame i mean other than obviously fans surely there must be another way of how they can make some money with the fans whether that's being selling matches through the website or anything like that surely. yeah i think the i think the i follow is great um, I mean, it's it's mm. great that the fans can can still watch and follow their team, and it's great. I think I think the clubs get eight or nine mm. pounds out of out of a ten pound um, out of a ten mm. pound match pass. So mm. there is a small amount of money generated. But again, going back to the article um, that that the Carlisle CEO uh, put out, mm. it, he 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 put out figures, and it is just incredible how much these clubs at this level make on a match day. And it's not just your, your ticket. It's when, when fans are at the ground, they, they might go to the club shop, they buy a shirt and a scarf, yeah. they go to the um, they go and buy a hot dog and a coffee and a beer and whatever else. Um, and the mm. amount of money that is generated on match day um, is incredible. And that is the livelihood of these football clubs. So uh, I really, really, it would be devastating to see more clubs fall away like Berry. Um, it's, it's it's people's it's people's life it's it's the lifeblood of of towns and cities and and to see clubs fall away really is devastating so i truly hope that that um the premier league or, or the fa they come up with a plan very soon to to help out if if possible yeah i mean as well what's it like without the fans at the minute dean i mean do you feel obviously you don't feel no pressure is when the fans are in there but obviously you want to see them in there but what's it like I mean, interestingly, once once a game kicks off, I kind of, I personally get into a bit of a zone where I, I don't even notice. I'm, I'm just kind of so focused. Um, but on the flip side, I, I did enjoy it when the fans were were, were back uh, in the car uh, when we played South End at home. It's just you make a tackle, you get a little little applause. It kind of gives you a, an added buzz. Um, I say tackle. That's that's my uh, that's my scoring a goal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it gives you a little lift, and and to think um, that there's no one there. I mean, we played Grimsby on Saturday. The kind of it, it's just flat. It's just it's all it's all a bit flat. It it, it feels almost doesn't feel like a, a first team game. Almost it feels like a pre season friendly. It hasn't got that real bite of a first team game at the moment. You haven't got the abuse from the away end. Um, you haven't got your home fans <laughs> cheering you on. It, it's just it just feels like something's missing, and I, I really hope that there is a solution. I mean, we're, we're seeing we're seeing how many people in pubs and, and watching games um, mm. from the outside of stadiums, but in a in an enclosed environment. 
to think that a stadium is outdoors effectively and and you can you can self dist you can distance yourself socially and so, and yeah. just really hope that it's reconsidered in in the very near future. Yeah, I agree on that one. Um, obviously, it's having a lot of impact on different um, teams, Dean. And obviously, there's a lot of shocks going on, like Aston Villa's winning 7-2 against Liverpool. I mean, do you reckon that makes much of a difference as well for the lower league clubs? It's, inc- playing it's incredible. Teams? Long may it continue. Yeah. Um, absolutely loving it. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's so unpredictable at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, is it making a difference? Uh, it's it's so hard to say what is what is making a difference. Um, mm. You would have thought if there were fans at Villa at, at the Villa game when they won seven two, that the, it it they would have made it more difficult. It would have been easier for uh, for Liverpool without fans because there's no pressure from 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 the Villa fans. Um, yeah, true. So is is that the reason? It's, it's just it's it's. Just incredible how the season's panning out at the moment. It's it really is. Um, uh, you just can't put your finger on what the reason is. But as I say, long may it continue. The the um, just the topsy turvy nature of how this season is unfolding has been fantastic to watch from from just a fan's point of view, and, and I hope it continues throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, Jack, did you have a question for Dean? Yeah, I've got a few. You know. Questions that not not only relating to obviously football at the minute, but my first question would be, um, what's been your favourite moment as a player so far, Dean? As a player, I've I've got a couple. Um, I think my first one was my debut. Um, I was nineteen years old. I was we were on the bench. I was on the bench a lot at Rangers, um, but that's probably because up in Scotland, I don't know if the rule still remains, but you had to have three under. 21s in the squad I think it was and at Rangers it was a bit of an older squad so they so kind of a couple of lads coming through had to be involved I don't think Walter Smith was was too pleased with that but that was one of the rules and it and it suited (laughs) us we we were loving life on the bench every week Um, and and then all of a sudden I always remember at the start of the second half Kevin Thompson came off injured and he uh, the next thing I didn't even have time to warm up the next thing I was getting stripped and I was on I, I was I was almost in shock that I was on the pitch um, but that 45 minutes was incredible there was 52,000 there um, the, the the league title was still on the line um, we managed we won the game 3-1 and the great thing about it was I, th- I think it was one of our last possibly our last home game of the season and we did a lap of honour after the game you know like fans uh, the players do like a walk around the pitch at, on the last home game yeah. of the season, and I was like, "Wow, this is I've just made my debut. I'm <laughs> waving off every fifty-two thousand. Um, this is what it's all about." So that that was a standout moment for me, um, and then probably representing my country, probably my debut for for uh, South Africa away to against Brazil, wow. um, playing the likes of Neymar and Hulk, David Luiz. Um, Danny Alves, uh, the list is endless. It was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, and then my other one, which which is a standout for me, was beating Egypt in in the African Nations uh, um, last summer. Um, there were seventy five thousand Egyptians in the Cairo National Stadium, and no one gave us a, a chance. They, Egypt had been very good in their group. They had Mo Salah on the left, 
Trezeguet on the right, and they expected just to to breeze past us. And we beat them one nil. We and it wasn't a smash and grab. It was a proper performance. We were brilliant. And the Egyptians stayed behind after and, and clapped us off the pitch, which was a, a very, very special moment. So, yeah, those are, those are definitely some of the highlights for me. Yeah, I've got another question. As you obviously, I know you said you're obviously um, just, well, not just turned 30, but obviously the other side of 30. So as you, well, got to your 30s and that, what obviously kept you motivated to keep playing football and keep wanting to obviously make yourself become a better footballer? I love football. Um, I love training. I do enjoy training. You'll play with players who, who hate training. They don't enjoy it. Um, I'm in a car school at the moment. They, I think they've, they're, they're, they're gutted. They got me involved because I'll stay on the training pitch after training. Even if I'm not doing anything, I just want to play two-touch, keepy-uppies or work on my passing. I, I do like to be out there kicking the ball, working on my game. Um, I always go back to the same story of how when I was at Chelsea growing up, I, I walked over to the first team pitch and I, I, I noticed Frank Lampard in the corner. This was after Chelsea had finished training and or the first team finished and some guys had gone in, some guys had probably had showered and gone home already and Frank Lampard was in the corner uh, doing sprints. He was going from cone to cone doing sprints and I just thought to myself uh, then, who am I to say I've, I've done enough? Who am I to say... I'm, I'm good enough or I've made it or I've, I can't get better. And, and it, that stuck with me my whole career and probably will for the rest of my life. Just, just to see Frank Lampard, who was and still is my hero, doing extra and trying to get better, that, that's really just been the driving force behind, behind how I've always tried to, to get better throughout my career. Yeah, I've, we've had a couple of guests on the podcast, obviously this season and last season as well. And I, I think I asked, um, I can't remember who, was on, who we had on before, um, Dean, Dean Hammond. Yeah. Um, I asked him who was the best player he played with. So I'll ask you the same question, Dean. Who's the best player you played with or played against? Best up to you. Played played against is probably is probably more interesting. Um, <laughs> played played against I mean, <laughs> with the national team. Been lucky enough to play, have some incredible games. The Brazil one. We've, I played Brazil twice. Um, Funnily, Neymar wasn't wonderful in the first. I, I smashed him very early on. I was going to say, just go through. Uh, <laughs> I, gave him, I gave him a bit of League Two very early on. Um, He's probably but, rolling uh, for the entire game, wasn't he? Ex- exactly, exactly. In fact, a lot of his, the, the, the local fans, the Brazilians, were on his case that game. They were booing him a lot. Wow. Um, but we played them again just before the World Cup. They came out to South Africa and they gave us a hiding. He was incredible. Um, we, we then played Spain, um, which was, which was, which was great because the last time they'd been to our national stadium was when they won the world cup. So they came out a few years later and their midfield to start with was, uh, Busquets, Alonso and Iniesta, which was, uh, we didn't touch the ball for 15 minutes. It was like, wow, <laughs> this is going to be a long night, but we, we actually beat them one nil. We came into the game, we beat them one nil. So playing against Iniesta was pretty special. Um, but for me, not national team-wise, uh, Steven Gerrard. We played um, we played uh, Liverpool in the FA Cup. Mm. And actually, we battered them for half an hour. We were brilliant. This is for Oldham. We were absolutely brilliant. We battered them for half an hour. Uh, we went 1-0 up. Robbie Simpson scored an absolute worldie into the, into the cop. Um and we celebrated so hard that by the time we caught our breath, it was one all. <laughs> Craig Bellamy had equalised. But 
the, the overriding memory is that Gerard was just on another he was on another level to everyone on that pitch he he was just so far ahead in his thinking and his movement uh, he, he was just four, four or five steps ahead of everyone um big strong quick um i mean everyone knows all about him his passing range he could score so just to come up against someone of of that incredible quality was was really an honor to be on the same pitch as him um, and my last question. Yeah, I mean, go on, Greeny. Go on, Jack. <laughs> um, no, go on, carry on, mate. Right, mate. Um, obviously, 10 years ago, um, South Africa hosted the World Cup. And I wanted to say, did you ever get, obviously, a chance to go to any games there? Or were you obviously playing football? Because obviously, the atmosphere there looked amazing. I didn't. I didn't. I was, I was gutted that I missed out. Um, and I got involved with the national team two years after that. So I was kind of involved 2012 onwards. Um so I, I couldn't get there because um, it was June. So I suppose I could have gone out, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't go out. Um, but the, the luckily, um, in a way, and it wasn't quite the same because because World Cup fever is something special. But 2013, South Africa hosted the African Cup of Nations, so I got a, I kind of got a taste of what it was like to play in a huge uh, tournament on home soil. Um, which was which was absolutely amazing. Just to see the way the nation just gets round the t- round the team. Uh, we start in Johannesburg at, at the national stadium, so ninety thousand. I didn't play. I didn't play in that game. We then moved to Durban, and there was I think it's about a fifty odd thousand seater stadium, and we played our next few games there, and it was absolutely incredible. I've I've never been involved in in something where the whole nation is behind you. Um, unfortunately, we got to the quarterfinals and we lost on penalties, and I was, I missed. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so so I I didn't quite make the World Cup, but but I did kind of hot, semi get that feeling of what it might have been like to be involved in it. Um, but that Shabalala goal, that yeah, I was, gonna, I was just literally uh, about that to say goal, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, incredible! I get goosebumps every time I say that because I know all the guys and I've played with them all. Um, I just think to myself, would I have been involved in that celebratory dance? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> You'll have to relive the moment and post it on Instagram. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, learned, I learned very quickly um, in my time in South Africa, one of, one of the, my best lessons I learned was don't join the celebration too early because... Very often the lads will do a dance that I don't know about and then I'll just stand there like a bit of a lost fart. So <laughs> I learned very quickly to just, like I get very excited when my team scores. I like to rush over and celebrate, but I just thought, right, I've just got to slow my jog over because if I get there too soon, I'm either I'm going to have to dance or I'm just going to stand there with, with two left feet. So just give the, give the lads a bit of time, let them do the dance and then I'll, and then I'll go over and mm. high five everyone. That was that was a, a lesson well learned. Yeah, I mean, Dean, just going off a bit from the football career. Obviously, after, when you do retire, um, you've got obviously a sports science degree. Is that something you're going to take into the game once you retire? Or yeah, I, th- I think right, so. I think so. It's it, it's tough to say right now. I think this year, what what I'm trying to do is speak to, to different people. Certainly in, in that field, which I've already done. I've already spoken to um, someone I know who's who's um, kind of head of um, what do you even call it? Strength and conditioning at Leicester. 
um, who I know very well. Mm. Uh, I've spoken to someone who was uh, head of strength and condition at Blackburn. So I am trying to um, just speak to people, just see if there's anything more I can learn, because I think what what we are blessed with as footballers is time. We do have time. Uh, and you're home early and um, you do have the opportunity to kind of study or to to basically to put yourself in a position that when the, your career comes to an end, which uh, it's getting tougher and tougher out there to, to get a club, um, be ready for the next stage of your career um, or the next stage of your life. So that's something that I'm really interested in. I, I plan on um, taking my carrying on my coaching badges in in the summer. Um, but then I haven't decided it might just be to move away from the game completely in, in a different direction. Um, but I want to be in a, in a position to, to kind of have options. That's, that's what's key. I don't want to come to the end of my career and be, be stuck with no qualifications and, and nowhere to go. So, um, I think what's key for me is just this, this year and the next year to just start lining up and, and really getting experience in different fields so that as soon as uh, I come to the end of my career, I'll be, I'll be ready for the next stage. Yeah, I mean, also as well, Dean, um, you skippered your uh, national side. How different is it from captain a national side to captain a, a club team? I just think the scope of, of the level of scrutiny, the level of, I mean, the amount of the, the press, the amount of people watching you, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't played for um, a top Premier League club who have thousands and thousands of fans. Um, but when you're playing for um, when you're playing for a national team and you're captain, whether you're captain or not, but the captain does take more responsibility of a country with with close to sixty million people. Um, when when you do well, absolutely fantastic, it's amazing. But when you struggle and you don't play well, or the team lose you do take the brunt of the abuse. So um, just the level of scrutiny, the level of the, the, the press, wanna, everyone's, have, they've, everyone's got an opinion. Some people have got an agenda. Um, it's just something, it just kind of went to a whole new level. So yeah, as captain of Oldham, which was, a, which was also a huge honour, you still took the abuse and you still took the stick and the good times were good. Um, but but when you go to your national team, you, you just you just the amount of people, the amount of interest, and the the level of scrutiny is just amplified just for the millions of people that are watching and and having an opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've got two more questions, Dave. Before uh, I'll ask one of them, other lads, I've got a question, and then we'll let you go. But um, the first one was obviously when you was at SuperSport, Chief Executive Stanley Matthews described you as one of the all-time great midfielders and captains. I mean. That's unreal to hear, and surely as a footballer, oh, it's it's incredible that that he said that about me. Um, I think I think the key thing for me was was um, and, and why why I've been respected certainly over there is is uh, one my level of consistency because I, I don't tend to go and get necessarily many nine nine and tens out of ten and and on the flip side i don't go and get any fours or threes i'm I'm quite level six and seven out of ten mm. so that level of consistency every week um don't miss mm. games um and the other the other thing why i think he would have made a comment like that i i would say my level of professionalism and that that's something that i've always kind of i pride myself on my level of professionalism and in a country where there's no real academies, 
So you could be getting a, a lad coming into the first team who's never been involved in a football environment before. So where we, I grew up in an academy from a very young age, we were taught what's right, what's wrong, eat this, don't do this. Um, the, the guys coming in over there, they're almost coming off playing street football or, or just playing kind of very local football. Um, so when they came into super sport, I, I, I thought I took it upon myself to raise the level of professionalism of the boys. So that means don't be late. That means keep your standards mm. high. That means training every day, make sure you're on it. Um, that means um, if you're going to drink at the right time or party at the right time. And, and that's, I think, for me, it was it was hugely yeah. important of a team that I captain to make sure that we are disciplined because I think if you're ill-disciplined off the pitch, you're not going to be successful on the pitch. And, and I think um, that's certainly something that I, I try to rub off with the on, onto the younger players. Um, and, and at the moment, Supersport is thriving on on their younger players who are coming through. So that was that is probably some of the reasons why he, the the CEO has gone out and said that. Yeah, it's nice to say, Dean. And also, like, obviously, going on that about partying and stuff, I mean, how has it changed from when you first was a youth player till now? Has it changed a lot in football? I wouldn't say it's changed. I would say we're, we're living in a social media age where you can't get away with as much. Um, back in the day, you could, and it probably wasn't going to get back to the club or the fans or... Uh, but these days, social media is everywhere. So if you're out on the wrong night doing the wrong thing, you just know you're going to get caught and you're in yeah. trouble. So it, it certainly changed in that respect. Um, but yeah, you got to have your fun. I, I'm 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 a great believer. Whilst whilst I'm I'm very professional, I think football is is such an emotional roller coaster. It's up and down. It's it's winning one week, you feel like a million dollars. Losing next week, you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. So you have to try and balance it out. And if that means you go out and have a few drinks with your mates and try and let your hair down, that you, you have to do it. Otherwise, the game can consume you. It can, be, it can get too much for people, which it has done. So I do think there's a time and a place. You've got to go out and enjoy yourself. You can't live your life. Um, uh, some people do, and, and credit to them for doing it. But I believe everything in moderation so when the time's right go out go and have a good time go and enjoy yourself if you can do it with your teammates even better um and mm. i just think as yeah as long as the time's right right place right time go out enjoy yourself uh because the game can it, it can overtake your life if if you're too serious about it yeah finally uh dean just a, um, one going back to carlisle with now Obviously, Chris uh, Beach, the manager, um, obviously said you're an intelligent footballer and you dictate a game. Is that one of the reasons why he's brought you in and also to obviously bring the youth up and you show them how to do it and how to do it right? I think so. I, th I think the gaffer saw very quickly that when I came in there, I, I was um, a voice a voice on the pitch, a bit mm. of a voice off the pitch through my experience. It's an incredibly young squad. We are very, very young. Um, and I think at the time he, he was looking for, for a little bit of experience just to help the lads along. Um, and I think that could be vital. And, and it's not really vital when things are going great because kind of everyone's, everyone's doing well and, and everyone's getting on and it's, and it's all kind of pats on the back and high fives. But it's probably more so on the flip mm. side where things aren't going so well little bit of a struggle that's when the experience really kicks in and that's where you you my experience will be vital to hopefully fight through those tough times 
Um, and I think that's what the gaffer saw. Um, and hopefully uh, I, I'll be able to deliver that throughout the season and really help the younger lads uh, push on, kind of similar to, to my role as a captain at Supersport. Yeah, that's great. I mean, Jack, Alex, you got to add just before we let I'm you go. Um, I don't know if Jack annoyingly, all the questions that I had for Dean, you two have already asked, so I can't, <laughs> <laughs> can't reiterate. The one thing I will ask, Dean, um, just quickly, is is football in South Africa on the rise? Um, because obviously I know it, there's a massive rugby background over there with the World Cup win last year and back in the 90s. Cricket's a massive sport out there as well. Is that would you say it's on the rise or do, would you say that it's already there and it's um, it's not been made aware of around sort of uh, around other areas in the world if you see what I mean I think I think on the continent it's one of the biggest leagues um, yeah. there's a it's a great product um, you're playing in you're playing in the World Cup stadium so you're playing kind of 70% of the time you're playing in a beautiful stadium that was that was one of the World Cup stadiums. Um, there's a few clubs with massive fan bases. Unfortunately, not everyone's got a massive fan base, but it's almost a bit like Rangers Celtic, mm. um, where where the majority of the country support Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates and, and another team, Mamelodi Sundowns. Um, I think, yeah, we we just don't really, in this country, we don't look at the African continent because there's teams in Egypt like Al-Ali who are are massive. Mm. Um, Then you go down to South Africa. We're just a bit removed here in in Europe um, from the the African continent. So, um, as I said, the league there, it's a great product. It's it's a good league. Um, There's some some half-decent money to be made. Um, as for the national team, the national team is is, is constantly uh, getting players through. I think I'll, some of the natural talent that I've seen in South Africa is absolutely incredible. Uh, unfortunately, the guys can't come to South, can't can't come to the UK or England rather at the moment um, because the national team is outside the top fifty. Um, okay. So yeah, we, the the guys can't get a work permit. So for instance, Brighton have signed one of our star players at the moment called a lad called Percy Tau. Yeah. Um, but Percy has been sent out on loan. This is his second season in Belgium. He's at Anderlecht now. He was at Bruges last season. I think he's got to serve another year out the country and then he, he's eligible for a work permit wow. um, or for a visa. So the lads can't, they, they can't come here. So they do end up going to Belgiums and Hollands and Portugal and France. Um, so that's difficult. The other, the other thing that, that is vital for us is qualification for major tournaments. So mm. the AFCON is is something that we we should be qualifying for every single time because um, I think we are 11th or 12th ranked in, in Africa. There's, I don't know, 20 odd teams at the AFCON, so we should be qualifying for that every time. But when yeah. it comes to World Cup, this is our biggest challenge. Right. Um, the World Cup qualifying, Africa only has five nations in the World Cup. I think Europe has 13 nations. So it is incredibly difficult. So for instance, we haven't, we haven't qualifying, but in our group, we have Ghana, who are a powerhouse. Yeah. We have Ethiopia, where it's incredibly tough to go because of the altitude. Yeah. And we have Zimbabwe, I believe, who are our neighbors and, and very, very good. Yeah. Um, 
So the winners of that group will then go into a playoff against a winner of another group. So therefore, you're going to come up against an, uh, an Ivory Coast, a Cameroon, a Senegal. Uh, so just to just to that, I think that just tells you how difficult it is yeah. to qualify from Africa to the World Cup. There's just so many good nations and so few representatives at the World Cup. Mm. Um, but that is the big challenge for South Africa going forward. We have to do everything we can to get the national team into the World Cup. And that's that's been the biggest challenge um, for the national team and will be for the foreseeable future. No, thank you. Just before you do go then, Dana, quick, if, could you have had a choice of playing for England or... South Africa or is it just South Africa? I was never good enough for England. Um, <laughs> pass, passport wise, yeah, I could have. Um, but ultimately, mm. it, it, realistically, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and I was, uh, I was born in South Africa. My family's all from South Africa. I lived there till I was five. So yeah, it was always a bit of a dream to, to play for the national team. Um, and I count myself very lucky that I've, that I've done so so many times. Yeah, it's it's decent. I mean, on that note, though, Dean, I'm going to let you go, mate. But it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, yeah, Alex definitely. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Um, thank you, gents. Yeah. So thanks for taking time and wish you all the best for the season, Dean. And hope you, hopefully uh, yeah. it carries on. For Pleasure you. as always. Yeah. Thank you very Cheers, much. Dean. Good luck. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, thank Dean. You. Take Bye. care. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.